Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who calleth his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. All here are familiar with this passage, this parable, the teaching of it. And the reminder this morning is that in this life, we are simply stewards. We're not owners. If this could only get deep into our spiritual DNA, I'm, I am concerned. Uh, I, I do believe in Christianity in general. Uh, not just here, but everywhere I've been, that instead of growing in our understanding of this principle, we are distancing ourselves every day from the concept that God is the owner of everything that we have. Yes, We're caretakers anytime. Uh, you stay somewhere else, someone else, somewhere else's house, maybe an Airbnb, you drive someone else's car, you, you borrow something you are very aware that that is not yours. There are things you cannot, should not do with that possession because you are not the owner of it. And in life, uh, understanding the stewardship, it's about caretaking and not about owning anything that God has given us. And we are blessed. We are so blessed beyond measure. This ought to be a daily habit. Wake up and consider everything that God has given us. Just the fact that we are uh, United States citizens. We're born here in America. And I know the media wants to tell you that uh, that's a bad thing. No, absolutely makes it uh, your life privileged and uh, you extremely blessed. And then the fact that you were born in Texas and not Kentucky or you, you got here as quickly as you could, uh, whether you escaped Alaska, California, or Florida. It was all a good escape, amen. Uh, but the fact that you're healthy and you have a good church and you have in your hands a Bible inspired, preserved, the perfect word of God guiding you. You live in this generation, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. But the talents and the blessings uh, young people, the fact that you've had a Christian education, uh, Christian parents, uh, spiritual leadership involved in your life. And uh, we are living at times where we're lying to ourselves about our financial condition. Uh, no generation has been more wealthy, enjoyed more luxuries. No generation would consider spending $6 on a cup of milk, coffee-flavored milk, <laughs> filled with ice. And a lot of syrup. No, no one would, in any previous generation, they didn't have vehicles in the previous uh, five and a half millenniums. 
But the very fact that you get to choose now uh, seats that have air conditioning and heating in the seat, in the steering wheel. Uh, the, the luxuries that we have just in vehicles. And I, don't, I don't want to preach on any of that. I just want us to understand we are very, very uh, privileged in the time which we were born and the excess which we enjoy and maintaining a thought process that says, this is not mine. We have a generation uh, of, of people. It's, we understand it's flesh. The more spirit-controlled you are, the better you are in understanding this is all God's. The more fleshly controlled you are, the more you live with a tighter grip on everything that God has given you. That's the bottom line. But God has blessed all of us. And here's what we need to do. We need to acknowledge our blessings because the first temptation we have in life is to look around with discontentment and always consider, our eyes are always focused on someone that has more talents, more blessings. God has been better to that person. They're better looking. Uh, they were born into a richer family. Uh, they have a better job, and I, I still don't know why. And uh, they're more intelligent, more gifted. They're faster, smarter. And we, we tend to look at those people in life and complain about what we don't have instead of lifting our heads and lifting our voices and saying, I'm blessed. I am blessed beyond measure. And here's, here's what we tend to do. God does not tell us why he gives some five and some two and some one. Very indiscriminate, and it's his choice. There's no pastor, no father, no person on the planet. I don't care how old or how wise they are. They can give you an explanation of why this person was born into this home, into that life, uh, why they have that syndrome, why they deal with that sickness, why they have that setback or deal with that disability. Uh, there is no explanation other than there's a God in heaven and he gifted you with what you have and you're responsible not for what God gave anyone else, but exactly for what God gave you. And there's no one in here this morning that can point a finger of blame at God and say, God, you've been unjust, you've been unkind, you've been unmerciful. Uh, if we, here's what we tend to do. Instead of comparing with those that have less, I've been able to, uh, to travel around the world and see how others live with so little. When we talk about so little, I've been to countries where the monthly income was less than $50. I've been to places where you, you would not have on your property a storage building that, that looks that horrific, and yet people live in those conditions. They consider it normal, the kids are happy, and that is their accepted life. So when we Look at what God has given us. We don't look that direction and say, I'm blessed. Wow. We look towards those that have much, much more and say, how is it that I didn't get that kind of lucky life? Why didn't God smile on me on that level? And Satan will twist our mind and play with us in, in the fact that God has given us so much talents and we'll waste what God has given us 
because with discontentment, we're frustrated over the fact that someone has more. And all of us can do this. Don't think that a pastor is exempt or a good Christian is exempt. I've been to conferences before where it's just depressing. You meet these pastors that are 10 talent pastors and 15 and 20 and some are 30 and 50 talent pastors. Quote half the Bible. Manage businesses while they're pastoring. Pastor 1,500 people and act like they're bored half to death with their life. They can sing. They're polished preachers. And when they uh, come down off the platform, I make my way to the bathroom so I don't even have to shake their hand and let them know I'm a pastor too. I just, I'm a one and a half talent pastor. That's okay. You don't want to get into the business of making comparisons because you will either live discontent, frustrated, angry, bitter, or slothful saying, I've gotten so little, there's no reason to even try. And God expects you to take what he has given you and use it for his honor and glory. Because whatever God has given you, there are expectations. And we're not talking about parental expectations. I know sometimes people get frustrated by expectations. People expect so much out of me. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's a little push to get you beyond what you naturally or normally would not do on your own. But I'm not worried about their earthly expectations. God, because of what he has given us, has expectations on our lives and the duties now that come with the benefits of what God has dropped upon us. Look what it says, verse 19. Uh, after a long time, the Lord of the servants cometh, and what's he do? He reckoneth. God says, I've given you these things, and I'm given with these things expectations. Christians, if you were unsaved, let me say this story, actually, it's very obvious in this parable that he's talking about every man has been blessed by God. With talents. Now, this morning, the purpose is not to talk about the dividing up of those talents. We can talk about your time and the amount of days that God has given you. No one knows exactly what that time is. You may have 50 years or 30 years or 75. Uh, I have friends that have been given 90 years, 95 years. It doesn't matter the length of time you're on this planet. What matters is that you understand every day is God's day. And the very fact that you've been given good health over the majority of that time, if you are 50, 60, 70, uh, yesterday I met a guy that was in his 80s and talking to him, I would have guessed 65. Here's what's sad. He is obviously unsaved. And to think, here's a man, you have good health into your 80s and you've never taken one thing that God has given you and used it for his honor and his glory. I wouldn't want to stand before God knowing he's been given that much. But young people, he wasn't raised in a church. He didn't have a youth pastor. He, he might not even have a Bible in his house. You've been gifted from birth, a knowledge of the scripture and understanding. Early in life, you were saved. You were brought up in an environment, kept morally pure. You're in good health. You've been given instruction. 
You have people investing every week into your life, their knowledge, their wisdom, their time to increase your talents. And God's going to reckon with you for that. We are so distant from Bible principles. We literally think we can do nothing with what God has given us in this life. And then we're going to skate our way into heaven. And there's no, I'm convinced 99.9% .9 of all Christians think there will never be a reckoning with what God has given them. You're not a Bible believer. You're a liar. God said, with that which he has given us, there is coming a day of reckoning. There is coming a moment where he's going to say, I gave you the last name Pierce. I gave you godly parents. I gave you Capital City Baptist. I gave you the talent that you developed on the piano. How did you use that for my honor and my glory? I gave you the intelligence to make money. I gave you the ability to maintain relationships. I put you in a church where you could thrive. I put you in a place surrounded by other young people your age that would encourage you. Now, what are you doing with that? And most of what is being done in life with the talent, the time, and the blessings that God has given us is all selfishly motivated. Let me repeat that. Most of it is selfishly motivated and I'm using those gifts for me and even in a spiritual setting. It's not about this is God's honor and God's glory. This is about being noticed, me being magnified, other one, someone else. Isn't it amazing the motivation behind this? The motivation behind the pat on the back. Instead of saying, this is about God. These are his hands. These are his lips. This is it, the gift of whatever level of intelligence. I've had young people ask me, Pastor, how, how do you take an IQ test? I'm like, don't waste your time. You're going to be very discouraged. <laughs> There's only a few websites, and they're the free ones that will make you feel good. But by the way, 118 has nothing to brag about. <laughs> Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. If, if you took SAT tests or Wonderlick score, whatever you did in life, uh, listen, there are very few of us that walk out of there happy with the number that's put on that paper. But you have a level of intelligence high enough to do exactly what God has planned for your life. If you live with an understanding, everything, everything literally that I have been given, it doesn't matter that's a piece of junk car. That is God's vehicle supposed to be used for his glory. That's meant to haul missionaries, bring visitors to church, help the widows, get you to Bible school take you to soul winning and should never be used for anything other than God's glory. I know people in, in this generation, Pastor Bob, do you remember back 30 years ago, missions conference, when everyone, no one was hosted at hotels. Everyone was hosted in people's houses. And do you remember 30 years ago what people's houses looked like? 1,200 square feet, 
There, there were no remodel job. There were no fancy cabinets. There were no granite countertops. There were no tiled bathrooms. How many of you even remember the word linoleum? <laughs> How many had a house full of linoleum? How many had shag carpet that needed replaced 20 years before you owned the house? <laughs> shag carpet was all about hiding dirt and dog hair. That's all shag carpet's about. And you know what you did? You hosted people willingly. And it wasn't just four or five days. They'd come in before the conference. They'd lead after the conference. And you were happy to squish in that house and share and use what God had given you, all 1,187 square feet of it. And now that you have 2,500 square feet, not tile, but marble, not formica, but granite, you know, Pastor, I'm in the middle of my 18th remodel project, and it just falls during missions conference. I mean, it's so unlucky the way it all came together. You know what this is about? Christians now have perfected the art of making sure that whatever God has given them cannot be used for his honor and his glory. You know, you know what's like in this day and age? Hey, we've got some extra people on Sunday morning that don't fit under the bus. Is there any way you could use your car to shuttle this Sunday? Pastor, I got leather seats. Pastor, it's only two years old. Pastor, I, I can't afford to have kids in that vehicle right now. I don't have a, a, a baby. You know what you ought to do? You ought to just buy a, a, a baby car seat and have it in your uh, have it handy in your shed somewhere where you can keep it actually clean and say, you know what, if I have a missionary family here, I'm ready to host. I already got a car seat ready and I'm, I can use my house. I'm going to keep that place. Ladies, this ought to be a motivation. Keep your place clean. Yeah. Pastor, if we need some additional hosting, my house is available. That's good. That's good. We're way past that point in Christianity. Now that we have more you know what? There, there was a day, and it wasn't that long ago. Now, young couples don't remember this, uh, but my wife did not even own her own vehicle until she was over 40. And then it was a car that was given to us. I mean, most of you remember that. Now, they don't even make houses with enough parking because mom and dad have three someone and one of the children have a car and then there's a vehicle that's not running parked somewhere <laughs> there's no room in your house you got to park somewhere else i mean we got but a missionary comes through we need a vehicle you know pastor if someone in the church can fix that car that i have that's not running they can use that there is an absolute lack of understanding of everything that we have in this life. It's God's. Yes, sir. From the suit that I'm wearing, the shoes that I have. Listen, this will make it easier. This is why we have people in the church like Brother Johnson, literally, uh, and, and, and others that we have met in the past, uh, nice tie. They'll pull that tie off and hand it over. Because they understand this doesn't matter. It, 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 the cost of this doesn't matter. You say, Pastor, you can do that because you got like 8,000 ties. Most of them were given to you and you don't even know their value. 
it makes it a whole lot easier for me to give a tithe than a pair of shoes. That's the honest truth. But I want to live in such a manner, folks. I'm going to overly simplify this this morning. I'm not here to impress you with an outline. I'm here to imprint on your heart the fact that God is the owner of everything that we have, and we've stopped living that way. We've stopped living saying, my grill is to be used to host someone and disciple them. It's not about the fanciest steaks that I can buy, but it can be hamburgers and sausage in a new family in church that could use some kind of connection. I mean, some of you, you'd never use your grill for anyone new. It's only your circle of six. There's no one else worthy of your steaks outside of your immediate circle of friends. That's God's grill. I don't care if it's a trigger or not. It's God's grill. When's the last time you used it for his glory? When's the last time you used your car for his glory? When's the last time you used your spare bedroom for his glory? When's the last time you used a little bit of additional income that you had? for his honor and his glory. We're so busy in this day and age, and, and uh, some don't even tithe, but others, it's almost like my tithe frees me from any other further step of using what is mine for his honor and his glory. So I got that out of the way. I checked that box. God, you got your 10%. Now I get my 90. Keep your hands off of it. That's the way the average Christian lives. Instead of saying, God, every single dime that I make is for your honor and glory. And if your Holy Spirit impresses upon me to use it for something that would bring you glory, just let me know. He is coming and he is reckoning. And young people, don't ever get proud about what you have. You didn't produce that. Here's what uh, I deal with adults all the time. And boy, oh boy. The egos behind the possessions are incredible. I would be very careful about that because you could have a stroke tomorrow. And whatever you thought you were, you're not. You could have an accident tomorrow. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. I want to make sure what I have is used. And here's what it says. Uh, The servant is rewarded not because he had the most talents, but because he understood these talents are for God's honor and God's glory. Look what it says he did. Verse 16, he that received five talents, he went and did what? He said, I'm going to make use of these talents. Verse 20 says he was able to look his Lord in the eye and say, I have gained beside them five more talents. I appreciate seeing Landon up here on the piano. And I had piano lessons for a while. Ms. Simpson tortured me for about a year. And I tortured her for about a year. We tortured each other and came to a mutual agreement that she was not gifted enough <laughs> to teach someone this ungifted. 
But Landon, God has given you a talent and you've worked on that and developed it and you want to spend the rest of your life developing it, but using it every single day. That, that is no good if it's not used for his honor and glory. If it's not used in a church setting, if it's not used to praise his name and help others sing his praises. Amen. If this is about someone looking up there and saying, boy, that young man's a fine pianist. You've misused your talent. But here's what you can do. You can take that talent and gain more if you have the right value. And for people, one of the biggest issues in life is getting people to understand and share God's value system because most don't. What we value is nothing what God values. When we think of gaining, we think simply in financial terms. And everything now is about your net worth. And what is the net worth of 45 to 55 and 6? We have so bought into the world's philosophy. We got Christians now, got to check every week their net worth compared. And the world has told you what your net worth should be at the age that you're at. And if not, you're a nincompoop, incompetent, and utterly worthless. You're no value if you don't have their values. And the trinkets and the garbage that we uh, highly exalt. Now, this is about you saying, the time that God's given me, the investment that God has made me, the spiritual investment, the privilege that I have because of all that God has surrounded me with, I want to multiply that. I want to see others saved. I want to see others discipled. I want to be more invested in ministry. I want to use my possessions for God's honor and glory and I'm telling you in 2024 this concept is foreign to the average Christian and the average member of the independent Baptist church because my things are my things my stuff is my stuff God don't put your hand that filthy preacher every time we have a mission it's one week out of the year every time people get nervous he's going to call me and ask me if, if we have a car bill. he's going to call why should we even have to call we should be so overwhelmed by the offering of people saying you can use my truck we can ride together it'll help our marriage how devastating would it be for your home if you actually rode together for one week? <laughs> Women, you got to look at it this way. If you hosted someone, you could actually take that spare bedroom and get a nice bedspread, some new paint, maybe a couple things in the house would be fixed up. You might even end up with a new sofa. You ought to say, honey, can we host someone just to see if he takes the initiative to fix something in the house that hasn't been fixed for 12 months? If we had God's value system, I've, I've told you before about uh, one of the funniest moments that I had with my dad. Oh, we went to Mexico. We're coming out after having spent a long time away from our, our wives. He wanted to do something special. And, and when that uh, salesman in Laredo, uh, opened up his jacket like this, and there were 20 gold necklaces. And my, my dad's eyes popped out of his, his face, and he said, that's what we can do for the ladies. I said, Dad, that's what we should not do for the ladies. If those are real, he's a thief. But there's a 150% chance is not real gold. No, I'm going to make a deal, son. I'm going I'm to bargain with this man. And my dad knew how to speak Spanish. What you do is you just say whatever you're going to say louder yeah. 
<laughs> and slower, and then it becomes Spanish in the minds of someone that only speaks Spanish. <laughs> now, they don't understand much, but they understand dollars. And when Dad pulled out dollars, they were speaking the same language. And you could tell that was getting ripped because that man was smiling like he just bought a new house. And we walked down the street and into a jewelry shop and I had him lay those things out on the counter. The woman almost laughed as she looked and said, gold, gold, those are barely gold plated. And here's what Satan has done. Our value system is messed up because all Satan has to do is gold plate something. And you know what the majority of Christian adults are doing? Pursuing with all their heart, soul, and mind that which is gold plated and then holding on with all their strength to everything that is temporal, not understanding there's a day of reckoning. And if you don't use your time and your energy and your talents and everything God has given you for his glory, the day of reckoning is going to be a bad day. I live motivated every day of my life saying, I'm going to stand before God with the 54 years that I've been given on this planet, with the Bible education, with the wife that God has given me, with this book in my hand, with the knowledge and the pastors that God has surrounded me with, with the preachers that he's put into my path, with the friends that he has given me. I am accountable for all of that to God. That's of great value. What am I gaining with what God has invested in me? Amen. Now look what it says. There's young people. Here's what, here's what I'd encourage you. When he talks to the one with five talents, verse 21, the Lord said to him, thou good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful for a few things, I'll make thee ruler for many things, enter into the joy of the Lord. The, the man with two went out and did his work. And what's verse 23 say? The exact same thing. Isn't it nice to know uh, Pastor Robert can do so much with music and I can do so much to mess up music and it doesn't matter because God's not going to say, Adam, uh, you tried to play the trumpet and then you blew it. <laughs> you, you, I gave you a year on the piano and you never played a single song in church and all of heaven said, thank you, Adam, for never... <laughs> We're never doing that. You, you know what? God's not going to hold me accountable because I didn't do what Brother Willette did. I didn't do what Brother Wilkerson did. I did not do with home. No, those men are responsible for the talents that God has given them. I'm responsible for the talents that God has given me. And I want to hear him say, Adam, well done. Amen. Now, when it comes to steaks, we don't want to hear those words. Medium rare, what we want to hear. But when it comes to God's work, the investment of our talents, here's what we want to hear. Well done. I'm convinced the average Christian is resting and rusting, doing very little with all that God has blessed them with, and expecting to get to heaven and hear the words, oh, well done. You don't do that with your children. Oh, I'm giving you an hour. I want to see this kitchen cleaned up. And you come back and they're sitting in the living room 
watching Chopped and saying, you know, I just need some kitchen preparation before I actually get to the kitchen. I'm getting some education on cooking before I can get education on dishwashing. You're not going to be happy. Young people, I can't imagine the day of reckoning for the average young person in this kind of environment that's done almost nothing with their talents for the honor and the glory of God. We're not even talking bare minimum. We're talking below bare minimum. The average church member that has parked their carcass in this environment and floated through the men of God that he has sent our way, the challenges that he sent our way, the ministry opportunities that he sent our way. Now there was one that we have to highlight, the last one. We didn't read this, so now we get to jump over here and read it. First. 24, then he which had received the one talent, he came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man. This is how some people look at God. He's a hard man to please. He didn't provide me much. He reaps where he is not sown. He gathered where he is not. He, he's saying God's not even fair or just. Verse 25, here's his excuse. I was what? And went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. This, I believe, is going to be the majority of Christians at the day of reckoning God. This is what you gave me. And I lived with what you gave me. And I went to church and I had a Bible and I said, amen. And I tithed. But I was afraid of taking a missions trip. And I was afraid of teaching a class. And I was afraid of giving my Saturdays to working on a bus route. And I was afraid of joining the choir. And I was afraid of increasing my giving. And I was afraid of going to Bible college. And I was afraid of helping in that ministry. I was afraid of soul winning because I just don't have the talent of talking to people. And I, this is the number one reason most will never, ever develop their talents and use what God has given them. It's called fear. My point is, we had some that took what they were given and said, I'm going to invest in others. And here's why the average Christian is not investing in God's work and in others. Fear, if I invest in others, I won't have enough. Fear, if I use my house to host someone else, they're going to see it's not as fancy as their house. Fear, if I loan them my car and they have an accident, ask Nate, it's happened on several occasions. Nate, did you have a pastor say, can I borrow your van? Nice van, new van, quick hop to Corpus. Won't be any issue. And then when he came back, he had signed his name front to back on your nice vehicle. That's not just happened once. It's happened on several occasions. And some of you said, well, I would use my vehicle for God's honor and God's glory. But you knew Nate doesn't talk about it. Matter of fact, when I went back to Nate and said, Nate, the church wants to make that right and help you out. Nate said, don't worry about it. It's God's van. Actually, it's Jenna's. Don't worry about it. 
Nate was fine. Jenna hasn't spoken to me in three years. <laughs> That's the reality. When it comes to say, God, God is the owner. God is the one that I'm going to trust. And if I'm hiding what God has given me in a can in the earth, he's going to come back. Now, here's what he says. Was, was this man, look at God's exact words in defining him. Verse 26, the Lord answered and said to him, here's his day of reckoning. Here's his accolades in his new title. Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou wicked and slothful servant. He was not immoral. He was not a drunk. He just said, you didn't take your investment and use it for my honor and my glory. Young people, I don't want to look my God in the face of the day of reckoning and hear him say, Thou wicked and slothful. How many kids have grown up in a, in a Christian environment, Christian education, Christian home, Bible every day of their life, and did nothing with what God invested in them? Here's what God says about those people. Thou wicked and slothful. These are the people that usually end up bitter. Because they look around, they're discontent with what God has given them. They're frustrated that others have more. They undervalue the gifts that God has bestowed yes. upon them. Yes. And then they live their life looking around and saying, well, if I had his ability, I would be working there and I'd be helping in that ministry and I'd be playing that instrument and I would be an assistant in the church. Thou wicked you know how many people grew up with the same advantages and disadvantages of Pastor Robbie? Dozens. Thou wicked and slothful servant. 